Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mercy is the mark of a great man. Oh. Oh. Guess I'm just a good man. Oh. Well, I'm all right. You are not Captain Kirk. You do not belong in charge of the Enterprise and I shall do everything in my power against you. You know what the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with till you understand who's in command here. Frequently appalled by the low regard you Earthmen have for life. Welcome to another exciting episode of uh, SFP. Now, we have a brilliant episode lined up for you tonight, folks. We have, um, later on in the show, we have Steve Lund, who plays the character of Nick in the uh, new series Bitten, which is on Sci-Fi Channel in the US and Space Channel over in Canada. Um, And we also have um, another song selection from Dr. Vern from Nerdy FM. Uh, but with me right now to go over some of the uh, some of the news stories and discuss some of the news stories that have been happening over the past few weeks is Raisa. And now, last week in news. How you doing, Raisa? Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. Yes, uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> As I say, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm going to start singing Abba any minute. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, anyway, um, news stories. Uh, what what do you want to discuss first? Because it's quite quite a bit been happening over the last few weeks, uh, which uh, doesn't have anything to do with Doctor Who. Yes, I'll, I'll start with. Um, I have some DC and some uh, Marvel news. I'll start with DC because that's the story you haven't posted yet. You were going to do that on Monday. Uh-huh. Uh, there, there's been some some pilot uh, casting announcements for the Flash series coming up uh, off of off of uh, CW's Arrow, and uh, in addition to Law and Order alum Jesse L. Martin landing the role of uh, Barry Allen surrogate dad, Detective West, you also have. Uh, the uh, casting of Danielle Ponnebaker uh, as part of the project as Caitlin Snow, who is a bioengineering expert who lost her fuku. And uh, she apparently uh, becomes Killer Frost. Ooh. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a DC character called Caitlin Snow who becomes Killer Frost. And uh, her, her backstory in the original comics is significantly different, but they're tying it to the particle accelerator. Um, my one worry, uh, based off of this, is that it's going to turn into early Smallville, where everything that's a problem is tied to the particle accelerator. Uh-huh. You know, kind, of, kind of like how everything that was a problem was tied to kryptonite. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping they don't go that route. Um, also, um, Rick Kosnett has been... Uh, 
has been cast as Detective Eddie Thawne from Central City PD, a newbie with a mysterious past. Mm-hmm. And uh, DC Lore has a Professor Professor Eobard Thawne, um, who becomes Professor Zoom. Uh-huh. Uh, so they're obviously going to bring in Professor Zoom or their version of him. Yeah, and they've got they've got so like a, a young uh, wet behind the ears actor from Vampire Direct Vampire Diaries who still walks about twelve. Yes, I'm. I that's a, that's a problem I've seen other people having with them. It's like, oh my god, he looks about twelve. How can they possibly pull this off? But then Barry looks about twelve with his heart. So I, you know. Yeah, I mean, so like, um, if you remember the 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 uh, Flash series of the early uh, nineties, uh, we had John Wesley Ship. Yes. Um, you know, he he actually looked like uh, a grown man. Yes. <laughs> when he when he played a role, and now we've got this guy from Glee. Is yes. it? He's from you know. Um, it makes you makes you. It kind, I'm kind of dreading it, but I think we're probably going to get have Flash the musical episode. I, you know, if if they do, I just hope they do it well. I think based on what we've, I've never seen a Grant Houston in Glee. I can't judge from that, but based on what I've seen, I think I could. He can carry a series. We'll just have to see what what's going on around mm. him. Um, well, what I find that's inter- what's interesting about the Jesse L. Martin casting was that um, um, they had a different actor. They had um, well, I blanked on his name. He was so Winston in Ghostbusters. Oh, um, oh! I can't remember his name either. Uh, Ernie Hudson. Yep. Originally, it was supposed to be Ernie Hudson. I think that fell through somehow because he talked about the fact that he was in talks and interviews, and I think that fell through somehow. But Je- Jesse L. Martin works. I've got a bit of a DC news for you. This is this is related to the films. Um, I want to get your take on this. He asked Ty about it last week, uh, but mm-hmm. we we only briefly passed over it, and um, I had a good chat with uh, Patrick about it. Mm-hmm. The week before, but uh, Superman versus Batman film, um, it's been put off to 2016 now. Uh, but there's been a rumor circulating, and I don't, I don't know whether it's been confirmed as of yet as fact or not. But th- there's been, there's been uh, talk going around that they're actually looking at, um, they're actually looking at Denzel Washington to play the Green Lantern. That could be brilliant. Um, the biggest problem I have with that is that if you're getting Denzel Washington, and it's just one of those things where he doesn't get <clears throat> that many scenes because it's Batman versus Superman and it's their movie, it's kind of wasting Denzel Washington. Yeah, I I I, I get where you where you're coming from there as well because you know Denzel's such a great actor. Yeah, I mean if, if they're gonna bring him in, they kind of need to wait for when it's his movie and just let him do his thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's all right for Wonder Woman because Gal Gadot is a relative newcomer and they're just, you know, they're testing her out. So testing the waters, that's one thing. But you don't bring in a known actor for, for a role like that when you have so many other known actors doing other roles. You know, they're going to overstuff it and he's going to get wasted and you don't waste Denzel Washington. Mm. It's going to be a problem. Well, I, you know, to be honest, I think it's already overstuffed with Wonder Woman, Batman and Superman. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, because... You know, they they got they got away with, with the Avengers because they they'd set those individual characters up beforehand. Yes, which is what um, you have to do. Which is you know, which which was why the Avengers thing worked so well when when yes. it did come on, and um, because everyone was invested in you know everyone had been see Iron Man or you know, you, you, you know you went along to that movie and you was invested in a particular character, mm-hmm. um, whereas. 
you know, for this Batman, Superman Batman thing, yeah, cool having Batman and Superman in the same movie. Yes. But bringing along Wonder Woman, and they're talking about, they've been talking about bringing along Nighthawk and Green Lantern and stuff like that. It's it's almost as if DC, you know, and Ty said it best the other week, and uh, so did Patrick. It's almost as if DC are playing catch up, you know, and um, and by by try, trying to trying to uh, sort of like have the Justice League movie right away. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to backfire bad if they don't handle it well. I don't think they're going to handle it. And you know the thing thing is uh, they've got Gail get get ghetto. Um, mm-hmm. I think um, they've got her contracted for three films. Yes. Uh, that that was actually revealed earlier this week that she's actually contracted to do three films. So um, a lot of speculations going around that she's going to do the uh, Superman versus Batman, and then there's going to be a Justice League movie, and then there's going to be a standalone Wonder Woman movie. Mm. Oh, by the way, did you hear that they they've cast Michael Douglas as Hank Pym, Ant Man yep. the Elder? Yep, I uh, we reported on that uh, about two weeks ago. Oh, that's right, you did. I did. I remember now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, another bit of neat, another little bit of DC thing is um, um, Latino reviews being at it again. Mm. <laughs> um, they they've actually posted a. Um, 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 rumor which has uh, potential spoilers, and apparently they're that they're claiming that Net Luther and Matano um, could well be in the um, in 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 Superman versus Batman. Okay, that's officially overstuffed. Yeah, um, it's uh, and um, you know the, 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 there's a whole story that ties done. Is is so what's at the Latino review uh, reports, and he, he's done his own report based on it, and it's um, it's actually quite it's it's quite a good read actually. So if you want to go along and check that out, it's on on the website mm, cool. at the moment. That. So it might be an idea to have a look at that tonight before we we overstuff the website with mm-hmm. uh, comic reviews and more stuff tomorrow. Mm. Um, but that that's um, that that's report that uh, that 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 tie posted um and another you know agents of shield um we've, we've not discussed that one yet um we've got deathlock and uh, Lorange coming in yes yes and um mike mike peterson uh, j august richards character is going to be deathlock which which is cool um it's very hard though to believe them when they say they planned it you can you can kind of see it, but there are fans who are also saying that they did this at the sort of last minute to cover the fact that they got a slow start and they're losing fans. So yeah, they they they're they're losing fans, all right. I mean, so like, uh, I mean, you know, Arrow started in the states already, hasn't it? The second season, the second half, yes. the second season. Yes, half. Yeah, we we're still waiting for it here in the UK. Normally, we're only a week behind, but we're going to be, you know, at the rate they're going, we're going to be about two three weeks behind. It's worth but, the wait. It's awesome. Mm, well, it's really I've really been good. I've been really enjoying Arrow. It's probably the best. Uh, it's probably the best superhero-related TV show on at the moment. Uh, the the second best is actually a superhero show that isn't officially a superhero show, and that's Person of Interest. Uh, uh, yeah, I am I'm about um about seven weeks into the second season of that. They they're just getting around showing the second season of that. Uh, they they've not. They they stopped showing it after Christmas, you know, for the Christmas break, mm-hmm. and it's not returned yet because they decided to wear Celebrity Big Brother in its place. Oh God! You know, and and that's ending on Wednesday, thank God. Yes. 
Um, so we're, we're in season three here, and it is for for a show that's not officially a superhero show. It's one of the best superhero shows I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's also a, it's also a show that just quietly gets on with its own thing and doesn't really enjoy a great deal of press. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's its strength because they are just getting on with it. Yeah. Getting on with it really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of like the characters. Um, I'm, I'm really, you know, I, I remember when it first came on. I watched the first two episodes and I thought I'm bored. But then last year I got the whole season. Yeah, it, um, it, it, it's better if you just, you know, keep up with it. As, a, as a review thing, and I watched the whole first season and absolutely thought this is a fantastic show and. The second season's even better, so mm -hmm. you know, I can't wait to see what the third season yeah, is. Yeah, the, like. the third season is insane. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Okay, uh, Star Wars casting. Are you invested in the new Star Wars movies? Uh, not really. I'm kind of underwhelmed, but that's largely because of the prequels. <laughs> Yeah, well, they're, they're talk. There's still, there's still, there's still very strong rumors going around that Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill are coming back for the first movie. Um, they're going to get given a, um, you know, given the send off in the first movie, or, or you know, be 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 on about the first movie, but you know, to a lesser extent in the um, in the other two movies. Uh, but nothing has been confirmed from Disney yet. However. Mm. Uh, you know, in the week, in in the last week, um, leading up to the, you know, to to uh, to was recording today, uh, Carrie Fisher has pretty much confirmed that she she is going to be in the uh, new movie. Um, now the funny thing is, she she's confirmed it more or less, but she confirmed it um around about this time last year, and then retracted her confirmation because obviously she'd been told off over some contractual things. Um, but now she's confirming it again. So you know, I, I just wish I wish Disney or some somebody would just come out of the woodwork and say, "Yeah, they're going to be in it." And uh, what they need to do is is one press conference, you know, and just get it over with. They they do because it's so like uh, the speculation. It's just too painful. <laughs> And um, it's getting kind of boring. Um, I don't know how many how many stories um, we're gonna we, we're gonna go into have printed on sci-fi post on that about oh Mark Hamill's gonna be a new Star Wars. Oh he's not. Oh he is. He's not. Isn't it? You know. And yeah, it, it's gone back and forth. You know. But that that said, you know, as as always, we've been very careful not to print every single story to do with Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. You know. But. I, I just wish they'd get on with it. I mean, I, I'm kind of hopeful for, for the new Star Wars movies. Yeah, it, I, I don't think they'll be as bad as the prequels, but I'm, I'm managing my expectations. Well, apparently they've got, uh, they've got Lawrence, Lawrence Kasdan back, and he's going to hmm. be writing uh, one of them. Which will help. Uh, yeah, which, which will help immensely, because it was Lawrence Kasdan who script-doctored the first, the first three Star Wars movies. Mm. I think he wrote Empire, and he was mm. and he script doctored episode. You know, he script doctored on on Star Wars and uh, Return Jedi. Cool. So so basically, the reason those those other two films uh, weren't quite as good as Empire was because Lawrence Kasdan didn't write them, but he did script doctor them. So so the the sort of sort of like um, obviously better than the prequels. Mm. Yes. Yes. Um, with the exception of Return of the Jedi, which um, you know, I you know, I I kind of look at Return of the Jedi and then look at the prequels and I think mm, it's probably round about the same ballpark. Yeah, 
I think I liked Return of the Jedi better than you did, but then that's because I, I don't mind the Ewoks. I'm, I'm the audience for the Ewoks, so, you know, I, I, I took it a little better, but I understand where you're coming from. Um, you know, I, I personally think they should do a sequel film to Return of the Jedi where uh, a lone trooper from the uh, former Empire, um, you know, he, he's, so like, he, he's, he's trapped on the Ewok island, you know, mm-hmm. and he thinks the war's still going on and he goes around butchering Ewoks indiscriminately with a chainsaw. Okay, yeah. You know, that, that's, <laughs> that, 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 that's a movie right there. Okay. <laughs> um... But yeah, that's a that's a, that's the Star Wars uh, casting thing. Um, let's see what else we we can discuss. We've got a another few minutes, I think. We've got some, you know, dots who won, won Matt Smith won an award at the NTAs last week. Yes, which is cool. I think that's um, great for his swan song. And I think I think what's interesting, um, kind of kind of tying things together. I, I saw that that that. Um, article that you did recently where Stephen Amell of uh, Arrow was talking about, you know, being in the Justice League movie and it brings me back to when when this whole thing was starting and they were like, Stephen, and they were like, who's who's Stephen Amell? Justin Hartley is Arrow. Justin, you know, and, and Stephen Amell is crap. And now all of a sudden it's like Stephen Amell has to be in Justice League. He is Arrow. And uh, like, yeah, but he's, he's actually come out and detracted that. Basically what happened is last week, Fang, Fang, I think it was Fangasm. Yeah, oh, I, I, I know he's attracted that, but what I mean, what I mean is, it, it's the, it's the, it's, it's the, the cycle of you know being declared crap and then having fans come around, and it kind of reminds me of the Doctor Who cycle where you know people are freaking out over Matt Smith. He's crap. He's crap. He's crap. He's not Tennant, and now all of a sudden he's brilliant, and then they're like, you know, who's this Capaldi guy? He's not going to work. He's not going to work. And it's like they'll come around. They always come around, and it's, it's cyclical. It's like every fandom has got the same process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, I don't really judge something to have seen it, really. Um, yeah. That's, that's the way I've always been, and um, I, I think, to be honest, Capaldi's going to be a brilliant doctor. Oh, he's going to be insane. I'm psyched for it now. And i got, I got to tell you, just based on stills, I am I am loving what I'm seeing of him as the doctor on still, in stills, and I'm loving the, um, the Richelieu look for Musketeers. Oh, you, you ought to check out Musketeers, by the way. I plan to. I, you know, I plan to. I, um, you know, basically before I came on here, I was watching the um, the, the new episode of Musketeers, which aired here tonight, and he's really good in it. I, yeah, yeah. Um, the, 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 the scary thing is, um, if Musketeers gets renewed, um, you know, we're not going to have Cardinal Rishimu back. I mean, they could get a different actor to play it, but... I, I personally think what they should do is they should sort of like kick off Rishimu and bring in Mazaran. They should. Well, they're going to have to do something because the um, problem they have is that even if they wanted to bring Capaldi back for Musketeers and do it and have him do a dual thing, Musketeers is not filmed in the UK. Yeah. Uh, Musketeers, Musketeers is filmed, I think it's like Czechoslovakia or somewhere. Yeah, and, it's, uh, it's Czech Republic they film it in. Um, you know, so like, uh, they, they film it in pretty much the same. They used to film Sharp in the Czech Republic as well. Yeah, and part of, part of it is the tax incentives, and also part of it is because um, the, the Czech Republic is one of the few places left that's got anything like forest mm-hmm. that, that looks like period forest because there's just been too much deforestation. Yeah, and the the, the other thing is is the uh, the neighbors cheap as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, they got they got trained camera guys and and um, and stunt guys in Czech Republic and stuff like that. Um, who work for much cheaper than 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 our own? Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and BBC is having budget problems, so that makes sense. But because Musketeers is filmed literally in another country, I don't think Capaldi can logistically do it even if they wanted him to. Mm-hmm. Um, not, with doc- not with the Doctor Who schedule. Um, so. Yeah, well, I'm kind of hoping Musketeers gets renewed because... Based on what I've seen of it so far, I've really enjoyed it. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a really good show. Um, it's actually, for my money, it's marginally better than it's marginally better than Atlantis, and I enjoyed Atlantis. Yeah, Atlantis sounds good, and I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. Um, the thing I wanted to bring up was that um, uh, Cabrera, who plays Arami, uh, was uh, in Lancelot. Heroes. Yeah. He was Lancelot in Merlin. Yeah, and he was also in Heroes. He uh, in Heroes, made the painter. Yes. Um, but yeah, I I remember him from from both those. Um, it's um you know it it's you know it's it's gonna be. I think it's I think it's got the potential to be a really really good show. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's certainly got enough to a stronger start than Atlantis did. But at the same time, with the Musketeers, you've got the template of a story that everyone knows and yes. anyway. Yes, Whereas yes. with uh, yeah. with Atlantis, they're relying on Greek myths and changing Greek myths. Yeah, yeah. Um, to 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 an extent. So, you know, Atlantis for me is always going to have a tougher time. Yeah. In terms of so like um, you know, selling the narrative to to to, to people. Yeah, I'm I, I'm loving it though because I'm I'm a, a Greek myth junkie, so it makes me happy. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. You know, yeah. I, I enjoyed Mark performance as Hercules. Yeah, yeah. And I like the fact that Hercules is sort of like um, not exactly heroic. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, in in this is a is a bit of a. He, he, he's is I don't know I, I don't know the word the best best describes him, but he's a bit of a coward. <laughs> yes, and I'm liking um, Alexander Siddig is playing King Minos, and I love how he's just sort of quietly aged into the medieval monarch roles. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's he's doing quite well with that. I remember, you know, when he started, and when he started on Deep Space Nine, he was a baby. He was like twenty-four years old. I know it's um, <laughs> it's quite it's quite strange, you know, because you know we see him in Deep Space Nine, and you've seen him in so many different things since. He's just sort of like he's, he's just carried on working, and he's carried on working and getting getting small roles in high-profile projects, and it's you know it's kind of been really cool to see. I I really liked him in Primeval. I thought. The interesting thing about his role in Primeval was he, he was basically playing Dr. Bashir gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And he did it really effectively. And uh, so, yeah, it's, um, it's, 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 just, it's kind of comforting to just see him quietly get on with it and just have a career playing these various parts. Well, you know, uh, talking about uh, actors uh, from Primeval, um, the guest star in, tonight, in, 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 the, in the second episode of Musketeers, which aired here tonight, was actually Jason Fleming. Oh, um, very cool. He, he played the um, he kind of played the villain. In, Not in it. a shock. He does that a lot. Um, but he wasn't necessarily he wasn't necessarily um, uh, your stereotypical villain. You, you know, he could kind of sympathise with him a little bit. Mm. I'm I'm liking that um, Hugo Spear plays the um, the head of the Musketeers, according to your review. I I've enjoyed Hugo Spear in the couple of things I've seen him in. Mm-hmm. I say I saw him in um, Bedlam. Uh, supernatural series Bedlam, and I've also watched him in uh, the Father Brown mystery series also, and he's very good. So that should be fun. Yeah, Hugo Spears, uh, you know, he's, he's he, you know, he's another one of those, um, you know, he's a bit like the act, the actor's version of the TV show um, person of interest. He, he just quietly gets on with it. 
he doesn't court the media that much. He just quietly gets on with it, and you see him pop up in all these different things, and you kind of know who he is, but yeah, you know, yeah. you know, so I'm like, um, you don't get you don't get too much fanfare. Is guessing no. what I'm saying, um, but yeah, it's a it's a good show, the uh, Musketeers. It's um you know and it's um I think it's a BBC production and talking BBC productions um this is gonna get you really really excited. Cool. We reported this here this week, but there's a new series of Jonathan Creek coming to the BBC this year. I don't think I saw the first one. I you, don't have to say. You never watched Jonathan Creek? No, I think I missed that one. Oh, you got you you probably got about seven or eight series uh, from the nineteen nineties to catch up on, as well as um you know three or four specials that I've run over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's basically an amateur detective. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 Angan Davis, and he's an amateur detective. Um, and he also he he creates magic tricks for a for a magician. And you know he he solves these uh, solves various cases using using his abilities to create magic tricks and 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 logic and stuff like that. And um, you know the first series he did was with a was with an actress called Carolyn Quinton, mm. um, and she she sort of like um, you know hooked up with him as an investigator, and and they they sort of like uh, investigated you know. The happenings and things that were going on, and look, um, it's kind of like a, I'd, I'd say, it's sort of like a modern day Sherlock Holmes, but a bit quirkier. Mm, okay. Um, you know, he, 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 you know, so like um, in the, um, you know, in in the original seven to eight, eight year run, um, he, he'd, he'd be. You know, he he'd go on cases and be wearing this song like he'd wear be wearing the same song like duffel coat. Mm, okay. um, and stuff like that. He's like he's very, very, very. He had a very strong uh, image. Anyway, the new this this new series. It's a three episode series, so it's it's another Sherlock type thing. That seems to be the norm. I think it's financial, apart from anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think the um I think the original series uh it used to be thirteen episodes, a bit like Dot Who. Mm. Um, but the um. They're doing. Um, I think it's. I think it's three one hour and a half things. He's now married, so he's he's doing doing the detective work while, you know, dealing with married life and um, also running um, his own business. So so things things have moved on since the um, since 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 the last series. But it was a, it's a, it's a fun series. Uh, you know, so like it's it's one of those BBC shows that. You know, if you can find it, you know, on uh, on iTunes or or somewhere, it, it's well worth you checking out an episode or two. You probably like it. Cool. Um, but they they're doing three new ones this year. That sounds cool. So I thought mm. I'd mention that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think the anything else. Uh no, I think that about covers it. Okay, well, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna pass things on to a uh, Doctor Vern at Nerdy FM right now. Because he's got a, he, I, I believe he's got a Doctor Who song for us this week. Awesome. Hey Ian, thanks for having me back on the show. Hello everyone out there, I'm Dr. Vern with the geek rock band Sci-Fried and also Nerdy FM, the worldwide authority on nerd music. I'm here today to share a Doctor Who track for you, 
What? That's right, a Doctor Who song from Adam Warrock. For those of you new to nerd music, Adam Warrock is a machine sent from the future to release nerdy songs at an alarming rate for free on AdamWarrock.com. Better than that, they usually kill. Adam is actually Eugene, and he is a preeminent superstar of the nerd music style known as nerdcore or nerd hip-hop. A while back, Eugene recorded a song entitled, I Have Never Watched an Episode of Doctor Who in My Life, mostly as a joke aimed at Whovians who desperately want him to love their show also. Well, Adam Warrock relented, started watching the show, and became a fan. He's just released a free-to-download Doctor Who EP, and it features this single, Can't Stop Watching Doctor Who. Here's Adam Warrock. You know, when you're a kid, they tell you it's all grow up, get a job, get married, get a house, have a kid, and that's it. And now I can't stop from a moment that I saw that skinny man with a square jaw And I know why they all just want to dress like him Know that we all ought to be more like him Believe in the best and explore like him And you know he ain't a perfect hero He tries his hardest, the last of his people Sometimes it's lonely in space An adventure or two will make you feel back in your place And he tries his best, awkward if you never really said any less For the sonic screwdriver Cause you know that he wants to fix it all before he goes Now I know what a TARDIS is And I know how them Daleks work and I know that it's bigger on the inside Gallifrey was the place of birth And you know that I can't stop And you know that I won't stop I'm just watching it too now Yes, I am one of you now And I can't stop watching Doctor
So Adam Warrock had a change of heart and discovered the charm and wonder that is Doctor Who. Then in true nerdcore cyborg fashion, he made an awesome EP to share with the world. He has a lot of music on his site, adamwarrock.com, and you can check out his full discography at adamwarrock.bandcamp.com. You can hear this and all styles of nerd music on Nerdy FM 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. I am Dr. Vern, and there is something on the wing of this plane. Better take over, Ian. See you next time. Okay, I'd like to uh, welcome uh, Steve Lund to the show, who's uh, known for uh, playing the uh, role of uh, Nick Sorrentino in the brand new science fiction fantasy horror show, Bitten, which is um, airing on both Space Channel and Sci-Fi Channel in Canada and the US, respectively. Um, Hi, Steve. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ian. Thanks for having me, man. And thanks for the correct pronunciation of my character's stage name. Uh, Sorrentino, is that is that Sor- Sorrentino? Yeah, it's been it's been muddled a few times, but you nailed it. Yeah, I, I guess people have been saying Sorrento and stuff like that, right? Yeah, no, I'm not a I'm not a Kia vehicle. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I get that. Um, I, I I basically uh, I had to look it up myself on IMDb, and um, I figured the way it's spelt, it's probably phonetic, so I'll just say it the way it's spelt. Beautiful. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I guess my first question um, is the obvious one to ask: um, is h- how did you uh, actually get into acting? What what was it that you know got you interested in in, in acting on television film? I uh, I tell people that the the man responsible for it all was um, Indiana Jones. Um, I was watching his movies from a very young age and watched them very frequently, and um, began dressing up like him everywhere I went. Uh, I had the entire outfit from the hat, the whip, the gun, the jacket, the the satchel filled with uh, relics. Um, and played the character all day, every day. And uh, so I was telling people that I wanted to be an archaeologist because that's what I assumed archaeology was all about, shooting Nazis and chasing down excellent you know, treasures and stuff like that. And when I found out um, that's not exactly how archaeology goes, but that he was merely an actor portraying the character, then I said, okay, well, then I'm going to be an actor. And so at a very young age, I, I was telling people that I was going to be an actor. That was sort of my my uh, my response to that question. What do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, um, and and then I, I grew very fast and I started to play um, hockey quite seriously. And that carried me through to the age of 19. And at one point it looked like I was going to pursue a career in professional sports uh, until I received quite a few concussions and uh, was advised by doctors to never play competitive hockey ever again. Um, And that's when I sort of gave myself the permission once again to pursue that original dream of becoming an actor, and I went for it. Cool. Yeah, I did a lot of sport when I was a kid. I was in in track and field athletics. That was my thing. Okay, cool. Um, and I played a bit of played a bit of football, or or is it? Do you guys call it soccer? 
We do call it soccer, yes. Yeah. But it is the true football. I wish that it was called football here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, I used to play um, base, base because my dad kind of like uh, tried to push me into, into football. Um, as dads do, as yeah. As dads do. Um, and you know, I, I wasn't bad, but uh, I was, I was, I was, a, I was a bit, I was a bit of a bad one actually um, on on the football field. Um, played in midfield, and I was fairly well known for um, you know for, for for doing bodily harm to the opposing <laughs> teams. <laughs> so. That's so funny. I was also uh, ejected from just about every football or soccer game that I ever played for the exact same reason. Yeah, but I think I I did it because on a subconscious level, I I just didn't want to be playing, so I was kind of like taking it out on everyone else around me. <laughs> right, and also getting out of the game as quickly as possible. Um, yeah, and getting ever 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 more frustrated if the referee was uh, deaf, dumb, and blind. <laughs> um, but there, there, there is that. Um, from what I can see, uh, you've you've done quite a lot of stuff um, in in science fiction and fantasy prior to uh, Bitten. Um, I noticed that you've had roles on Lost Girl and Defiance. Um, are you drawn to Are you drawn to that kind of show as a rule? Um, yeah, um, I think it's it's an incredible genre that really has no boundary. I mean, you can you can do so many different things. Um, so when the when the work comes along, uh, you know it, it's it's exciting. It's got so many different dimensions to it that it really makes it a lot of fun to work in in, in sci-fi. So I get excited when I you know get to read scripts with aliens and zombies or monsters or you know werewolves or vampires and all that stuff. It's 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 a lot of fun and I've I've had a great time doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how did you uh, find working on 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 Defiance? Um, because that you know that last year was a, a really big deal in that they they were they were doing it in tandem with the video game and and and, yeah. and stuff like that. So I'm I'm just wondering um, if that impacted at all on on your role in in the show. That was that was really cool. I mean, I hadn't really been exposed to the Defiance world too much prior to that, but I thought it was really cool to be sort of on the cutting edge of something, some new innovation in terms of uh, viewer and content relations, I guess you could call it. Um, so there was a lot of buzz about that show and everybody that was working on it was very excited. Um, so walking out of that set was very easy and um, I had a really fun character to play. And actually one of my one of my very good friends uh, played the character of Rin. I don't know if you remember Rin. Um, mm-hmm. She was sort of a, a bandit. And so we got to work on set together, which was really cool. I, I, yeah. What's that? I, I vaguely remember Bryn. It's a, I've only really seen each episode one time when it aired here in the UK, so I've, I've not had a chance to rewatch it. So she's a she's a badass chick. One of those uh, I can't remember the name of the aliens. Yeah, that that's that that's who I thought he would have been. Uh, yeah, was so he? She, she's super cool, and that was a lot of fun. I got to get shot, which was my first time having having a squib. Um, and uh, yeah, just just an excellent, excellent time. Everybody that was on that set was so kind to me, and um, we had a ball. We were out shooting there for I think two weeks, sometimes, some, you know, the better part of two weeks. So, um, you've managed to get yourself a pretty cool role in the um, in the werewolf drama Bitten. Um, how, how did you how, how did you you know come into that role, and what what actually drew you to that show? 
I initially auditioned for this show when I was living in Los Angeles last year, almost exactly a year ago, actually. Um, and it was, I think, the second audition that I had when I when I drove from the east coast of Canada, my home in Nova Scotia, to Los Angeles. We, uh, my friend and I, arrived, and then I think the next day or two days later, I had this audition. With the audition came all of this material, and it, it talked about how it was based on the novel series. And, that was very exciting for me, and I, I think I can say the same for any actor who gets all of that very rich source material uh, to draw from. Um, and so I auditioned initially for the, the lead character of Clay, and um, many months later when I saw the man they cast as Clay, I understood why I didn't get that role, because he's quite a mountain of a man. Um, and so uh, I didn't hear anything back for about a good month until uh, I got a phone call from my agent and she said, you're being considered for one of the roles on Bitten. When are you thinking of coming back to Toronto? And I said, I hadn't really thought too much about it. She's like, well, I suggest you get here. So I hopped in my car and I drove three days straight um, across the continent and uh, sleeping in my car in the mountains of uh, Colorado, basically. Wow. And um, and I made it there on Monday for the auditions that were being held that week. Sick as a dog because I hadn't slept. Um, I even actually slept in a haunted house in Oklahoma at one point, <laughs> which was really cool. I was sort of I was ready to crash, and I pulled off to the side of the road, and I was looking for just any quiet sort of concession road or something like that. And I pulled in and my lights sort of stumbled across this old abandoned house. And I could have sworn I saw something in the window. Like I'm, I know that at that hour, it was four in the morning or something like that. I've been driving for about 15, 16 hours. My mind could have been playing tricks on me, but I'm pretty sure there was some sort of spirit around me, uh, which was pretty cool and sort of just made the entire experience that much better of a tale, I guess. Uh -huh. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I eventually made it back to Toronto without being harmed by the ghosts and auditioned for the role of Nick three more times and then, and then boom, it was done. Uh, so you you had to you had to audition more than once to get the role. Um, that that's kind of like the norm, though, isn't it? Because you do you go through num a number of condition uh, a number of auditions in in the states when you uh, or in Canada when you're going up for roles. Yeah, I mean sometimes it could be just the one, and if they've seen enough and they know that you're right for the role, then then uh, then yeah, it could just be a one and done sort of scenario. But oftentimes, you know, you're making a commitment to one individual for a potential number of years, and they want to be sure, and they also need to uh, they need to position you according to whoever else is being cast in the show. So they. They won't want to have two people that look very alike or that are very alike in in, in other ways. So there's this uh, there's this comparison and this and this uh, compilation that they need to assemble. And uh, oftentimes they'll need to see you once or twice or three more times. So, mm -hmm. um, how how would you describe a bitten to to somebody on the street? You know, I mean, I, I've seen the pilot episode and I've seen the second episode, and and thus far. I've, I've quite enjoyed it, but I'm just just wondering how you you'd sell sell someone on the idea of watching Bitten. Yeah, um, geez, there's a lot I could say, and I obviously have a very you know, soft spot for it in my heart. But um, I I think that Bitten is a very relatable supernatural show. Um, 
we're dealing with humans first and foremost. The werewolf thing is sort of a uh, sort of a metaphor for how uh, for issues that every family sort of undergoes. Um, you're dealing with themes of loyalty, of love. Um, um, you know, uh, there's a love triangle involved. So I think that anybody could find something to resonate with them from this show. Um, it's also a very sexy show. I'm not sure if, if you're averse to those types of things, but uh, there certainly is uh, a decent amount of skin being shown. So there's that. Yeah, I've 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 actually uh, I've actually noticed that. Meaning, that your first scene sees you in bed with a married couple, and I was thinking, mm, is this the way your character's gonna go from here and in? Or <laughs> well, they don't beat it over the head every episode, but I mean, yeah, I I think that my first scene reveals quite a bit about my my character's personality, pretty accurately, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it it's it also strikes me like uh, from from the second episode we've seen it a little bit more of it um, as in the the dynamic of the um, of the pack of wolves that you you pack of werewolves you got you belong to because they're kind of like uh, they're kind of like um, keeping guard on on the werewolves right um, as in you know sort, sorting out all the um, all the mutts as they call them as in the uh, stray werewolves that you know seem to be you know you know killing people indiscriminately and not playing by the rules you, you, exactly. so so you're kind of enforcers in a way we're the law keepers yeah, yeah. So the, the band of non-conformist werewolves who don't choose to follow the rules and regulations that have been in place for, for, for generations uh, are considered mutts and uh, they rebel against the pack but a lot, the pack's sort of sole mission is to preserve our own race and uh, we have a very regulatory role in terms of the uh, uh, werewolves wherever they may be across North America or there's a few in Europe as well. Um, so when they step out of line, it's up to us to send a message that uh, we don't condone that type of behavior. Oftentimes, that message can end up in bloodshed. The main crux of the uh, series seems to be that Laura Vandervert's um, werewolf. She's like the only female werewolf, werewolf among amongst amongst you. Yes, she is the the unicorn. She is the, the great white buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, she's very sought after uh, for reasons other than just her beauty. She's, uh, in fact, our most, uh, she has the keenest sense of smell out of all of the werewolves. And therefore, she's um, required to do a lot of our tracking. And during her time at Stonehaven, she was sort of appointed that position of being the main tracker. And so when uh, when the story takes place, Elena has been away from the pack for a year or so, trying to live a normal human life in the city of Toronto. And she's summoned back to the pack to help us hunt down this, this rogue mutt that has stepped out of line and has uh, killed a civilian on our territory, which we sort of start to piece together has a, a message intended with it. Yeah, I mean, I've been enjoying the show uh, so far, and uh, I'm just wondering, um, we, we, we already have a rough idea of how how, um, how, how Gora van der Vert's character was turned. I can't remember her name off the, off the top of my head. Elena. Or off her character, Elena. Um, will, will we learn about how the rest, how the rest of the uh, pack was turned? Uh, yeah, there, there will be some reveals throughout the series, um, 
But there are two ways to become a werewolf. One is to be born and the other is to be bitten. Mm -hmm. So um, female werewolves that are born don't typically live very long. You're, it says that you undergo your first change around the time of puberty. So you, you're not born uh, changing into a werewolf uh, as an infant. Uh, it's not until you're about 16, 17 in those ages when you start to be able to conjure up what it takes to, to transform it in, into werewolf mode, I suppose. Um, and a lot of women uh, don't survive the grueling and, and painful process that that is. Um, and the other, so the other side of that is being bitten. Um, and we learn a bit about Clay and how he became a werewolf. Um, uh, I know that for, I could tell you for Nick, particular my character I was born and I um, I am sort of a belong to a long line of werewolves my grandfather was the former pack alpha uh -huh. so the Sorrentino name is one of the five families that are involved with the Stonehaven resident werewolves and those uh, peacekeepers or lawmakers as if you want to call them that mm -hmm. Well, you uh, you're working with uh, Laura Vandervard in, in in the series. How have you found working with her? Because um, she she's been in quite a few high profile roles over the years. She was in a Smallville. She played Supergirl, and she she did a V, um, and stuff like that. So she's she's quite quite experienced uh, actress. I'm just wondering um, how how you found working with her. Um, have you well, learned anything from her in terms she's of awful. craft? <laughs> She's just so annoying. Oh my god. No, I I love Laura. I, I really do. And and we all were very blessed to have such a an incredible presence on set. As your lead character and and the one actor on set that works the most, you know, she's in all day, every day. She barely gets a break. And even on the weekends she's she's busy doing a number of things, whether it's wardrobe fittings or doing some press or tending to her many thousands of, of beloved fans. Um, and she never complained about a single thing. You know, we never heard her dramatize anything. She took it all on the chin. She was happy to be there and she worked her butt off. And uh, it really trickled down throughout the entire rest of the cast. And, and uh, she inspired all of us on a day-to-day -day basis. She's great. Yeah, and she kind of got, got kick your butt in the second episode as well. That's a matter of opinion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's up for discussion, but uh, fine if that's the way you want to swing things here, Ian. That was, that was just that was just kind of like a lead in because um, you know you, you got got this got these big fight sequences in the uh, second episode, and um, I'm just wondering uh, what what level of training you guys had to do um, in order to pull those those, those sequences off because. They they look pretty ambitious for a small you know for for a television show. Yeah, no, they were pretty wicked, man. We had a lot of fun doing that stuff. Uh, I was terrified going into it because uh, the days leading up to our first rehearsal, I was informed of Laura's background in martial arts, and I believe she has a black belt in karate. So I that definitely uh, made me shrink back into my hole a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and we certainly left some pretty decent sized welts on each other in that uh, in those rehearsals. But uh, I had never really done anything of that nature, and, and she has, you know, with her experience on other shows and uh, having some combat training, and obviously her martial arts background. So, uh, and we had a very incredible man taking care of us. Our stunt coordinator, John Stead, who was there for us every step of the way, and. 
a very gracious, um, compassionate man, um, and very had a very keen attention to detail. And he helped us just play and love and, and roll around and just enjoy every moment of it while being within the confines of safety and, and, and also playing to the camera as best as possible. And I think we got a pretty decent result. Of course, you say that now, but the following morning you're probably walking onto the set like Robocop or something, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. It's all intimidation, really. Mm -hmm. um, who, who would you say is actually uh, the biggest joker on the set? I mean, I should imagine, you know, you're shooting long days and there's going to be a few moments of levity while you're all working together. So so who, who is it that's sort of like, uh, you know, cracks all the practical jokes or is it something that's shared amongst the cast? I think, yeah, we are all sort of, you know, pranking each other or, or doing that sort of, you know, childish, let's not take ourselves too seriously kind of stuff. And it's very, it was very much that type of set. We all had a blast doing it. I think some of the other cast members might say that I would be appointed that distinguished title. But I think we were all just sort of in on it together. Um, I know that Laura and Grayston, Clay and Elena, had a lot of... Uh, that's what she said type of back and forth uh, to a very childish level. And, and I am much beyond that type of humor myself. I don't, uh, I don't really take too kindly to that inappropriate nature. Yes, yeah, it's, it's probably that kind of brother and sister humor where you kind of cast in aspersions back and forth <laughs> to each other, right? Yeah, it was very much that, man. Yeah. It was, uh, it was uh, we were a family and we reacted as so, you know, we... There was no drama ever on set, which was I'm so very thankful for. A lot of people uh, in the crew would say, sort of talk amongst each other and say things that, the, you know, it was one of the best sets they've ever worked on. And I didn't really register that because I'd never been on a set for this amount of time. But I guess we just got along famously uh, from day one. And uh, we were just very fortunate to do so. And I think that helped us produce something that people are going to really enjoy. How much of your character are we going to see throughout the series? Because you're obviously, you're a series regular, but you know, um, Elena's, um she's trying to go back to Toronto, but is she, is she going to be kept with the pack for the rest of this series? Or are you, or is it going to sort of like uh, focus in on different characters, you know, where wherever they may be throughout the series? The main theme of the entire series is the pack and and everything that goes along with it. So you know, loyalty to the pack is an indisputable priority. Um, however, Laura, sorry, Elena is, is given quite a bit of freedom, and and she she is trying very hard to balance her priorities and, and one of which is her human boyfriend that she has in Toronto but also you know falling in line with her duties as a werewolf and her duties to the preservation of our race um, so she bounces back and forth quite a bit uh, between Toronto and with us at uh, Stonehaven in upstate New York cool well, you know, I'd like to thank you for uh, thank you for taking time to talk to us about uh, Bitten. You know, it's like um, it's a great show from what I've seen of it so far. It's great. I'm happy that you that you think so, and we're we're hoping to be uh, on the television stations all across the UK very soon. Cool. Well, you know, I'll, I'll make an effort to uh, watch it or I'll get it on my TiVo uh, when it when it comes here. I've got a feeling it's it might get picked up by Sci-Fi here as well. Yeah, uh, we're really hoping so. That would be really awesome. So far the buzz in the UK has been really nice and all of you guys have been very supportive so 
let's hope it works out for all of us. Okay, thanks a lot, Steve, and uh, best of luck with the show. Awesome, Ian. My pleasure, dude. Nice to chat with you. This is Nick Tarabay, uh, Asher, and uh, Spartacus, Gods of the Arena, Spartacus, Blood and Sand, and the new Spartacus as well. And uh, I'm here at SFP now. Keep listening and keep watching. Thank you so much. science fiction drama envisioned stories that were happening where no one had gone before, discovering and exploring other worlds far, far away. While many of these series and films became cult classics, somewhere along the way, this genre got lost. Imagine if there was a place where you could go watch exciting new space opera series made specifically for the niche audience that you are. Imagine if this place was conducted by a team as passionate as you about science fiction and who would use all their background experience to make sure you get the best entertainment possible. SOS is a not-for-profit independent production facility that brings together writers, special effects wizards, and other creative talent from around the world who've worked on some of the most recognizable and respected science fiction franchises. So throw away your remote control and get real control by joining the Space Opera Society right now. With as little as one dollar, you can change the future of entertainment today. For more information, please visit our website. Which is, of course, spaceoperasociety.com. Where all your questions will be answered in our frequently asked questions page. And don't miss our short video presentation from some of our space opera series in development. I'm going to step off the limit. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. That about wraps things up for this week, folks. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, another exciting episode of SFP now. And um, also, hopefully, with any luck, uh, Marks and Juni uh, will be back on Tuesday week uh, with uh, the, the latest episode of uh, Genre Attainment. Um, if not, uh, please bear with us because, uh, you know, they, 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 they have another exciting stuff um, on, on, on the go. Um but you know, if it's not if it's not this Tuesday that they 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 come back with their their next show, it'll probably be the Tuesday after. Um, but I've been speaking to Mark quite a bit, and uh, he's got a lot of exciting stuff going on, which uh, I've no doubt he will tell you all about uh, when when he returns. So that's it for now. Um, we we'll, we'll check you back next week with more exciting guests after you now. Bye. Offer the world order.